All right, everybody, this is my little dinky little podcast with really important people. So um, who I have with me today is uh, Jesta Miko and Anna Brown and Brandon Kelly. And uh, they're all my peers, hint, hint. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Peers Conference that's coming up in Chicago in three weeks. And two days ago, uh, one day ago, Brandon, Kraft launched uh, 1.0. Um, so this is, uh, this is an exciting time for people in this community, Expression Engine community, web development community. Um, and Jess, your conference is happening at a, at a primo time, given some of the recent releases, in particular Kraft. Um, Jess, why don't you take the microphone for a minute and talk about what's going to be happening at the Peers Conference. Um, how much Expression Engine is it? How much beyond Expression Engine is it? Um, how heavy on craft is it going to be? And then we'll let Brandon talk about what he's going to do specifically there at the conference. Sure. I think that um, you could say that our, our conference might be about 40% Expression Engine and maybe 10% craft, 10% Laravel, um, 5 to 10% Statomic. And then also we have an entire business track that really isn't necessarily aligned to any CMS as much as it is about running a web business and the choices that independents and freelancers and small business owners face and also the fact that we do have to choose tools and how do we choose them and which is the right tool for the job at the right time. So I think that when we spoke to people about planning peers, really what we heard over and over was that people wanted to learn new things and they wanted to move towards something that was a little bit more CMS agnostic, that they could get more out of it. And we tried very hard to deliver that. I think we have. So uh, give us a little digest of what the, um, what the talks are going to be about. Well, one of the things that I'm really excited about is that we're providing actual workshop training for our attendees and it's included with our ticket price so if you want to come and speak to Taylor Otwell and learn a little bit about Laravel and do build a little application you can if you're using craft for the first time this is a really excellent opportunity for you to not only work with craft build a website with craft um, Greg Farrell is also going to teach us how to sort of take craft further and maybe craft haha uh, an add-on or sort of take your development further with craft so that's I think very exciting to the people in our community who feel that they have been working with craft even way back since the uh, sort of early days and um, there's lots of opportunity there so uh, there will also be the opportunity to take a workshop and, and build something with Statomic and then again really keep your game really high from the development perspective uh, with our dev talks and uh, the dev talks will be I know um, Anna you're going to talk about the performance question um, and I'll be running a sort of a business roundtable Q&A um, Anna Brown what are you what are you going to talk about well I have had a project that I've worked on five years now it's a daily newspaper in Mexico I'm sure some people have heard about it I always have had some uh, particular issues with this site because of the nature of the traffic and their publishing schedule. So I'm going to give it a, I guess you'd call it a case study kind of talk um, with lessons learned. I've learned quite a bit um, uh, about where Expression Engine fails uh, with high traffic kind of uh, sites like this. Um, or not necessarily where it fails, but where, where you're going to hit some walls. And these are... Um, uh, things that came up during this project and um, are good things to know. So, are they from traffic levels or traffic spikes? I mean, are you going to talk about which which of those would you address both? I th I think this is more just um, a traffic level uh, talk. It's spikes, I think, are um, you know more handled on the web host side, getting yeah. a good balance with the server environment. Yeah, so, okay. I don't know that there's a huge amount I can offer there, but. Um, this talk was is sort of things that will go wrong. For, um, for instance, um, when we uh, a number of years ago we implemented caching, the default expression engine caching, to deal with some uh, traffic spikes, and we um, noticed immediately that we actually had quite a bit more problems because we launched it. And the reason was that publishers were publishing, you know, six to eight hundred articles a day, and every time they were publishing and saving either a new article, uh, adding a new article, or saving an existing one, they 
they were clearing that complete cash. And so really the cash was just completely clear, you know, always yeah. clearing and never being used. And it just sort of all hell broke loose yeah, on exactly. the server. So, so some things like that. And it really, it would have been fine if they hadn't been publishing so much. The, um, the topics you're going to cover, even though they're expression engine specific, they are going to apply to other, uh, you know, web development efforts, um, you know, across different CMSs. You're, you're talking about expression engine specific problems, but um, some of the problems that I know you encountered would happen on a lot of uh, LAMP stack type uh, tools. So I think it'll be pretty useful. Yeah, um, hopefully. So Brandon's on the call. Brandon, why did you build a, your own CMS? <laughs> I mean, what are you, high? What are you going to do next? Like e-commerce recurring subscriptions? What are you doing? What am I doing? Yeah, why a CMS? Why not? <laughs> you know, he was you know, born. It, it, I feel like you and I probably see pretty eye-to-eye -eye on this. You know, listening to you talk to, talk to Brad Parscale last week, uh, you know, I think you and I are both, you know, kind of suckers for the big technical challenge. And, and you know, I don't know, we kind of... We had some fun with the with the add-ons, but you know you can't help but uh, but feel like uh, like you're just you're just not in as much control as you want when you're writing the add-ons. And there's always there's always things that you see that you wish you could do, but you just quite can't quite do because you don't have that that level of control. You're not uh, it's not your code base. You can't just change things if you want. Yeah. Uh, and and you know doing that for for four or five years, however long it was. Uh, you know, you can't help but but feel like, man, you know, it'd be really great if, if I had that control, if I could just do whatever I want, if I could really, you know, treat this thing as like a big playground and just, you know, just go nuts and, and you know, innovate when I want to and not have to not have to wait, you know, a month for a response to an email and, and, and never actually, you know, see the see the future that you have in mind come to come to light because, yeah. you know, you're just you know, you're not the one that controls other people's priorities. So you wanted um, a big, you wanted to tackle a big technical challenge. So we, I, yeah, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was five years of, of, um, you know, building up this big feature list in my mind of things I wished my CMS could do, and uh, and and more and more of those were things that that couldn't really be solved uh, cleanly with a plugin or or an add-on. Um, and uh, and you know and just looking around and, and seeing and seeing zero innovation as far as as far as I'm concerned in in uh, in all the popular content management systems out there and you know I, eventually I just kind of had enough and for a long time really wanted to do it and uh, and then finally um, at uh, EECI in San Francisco uh, I was watching uh, I was watching Greg Wood talk about uh, editorial design and. Um, I feel like just kind of like right in the middle of that, you know, he was talking about, you know, um, his workflow for using Expression Engine to, to um, you know, uh, manage these different attributes that, that not just define the content of the page, but actually define uh, design elements on the page, change the background, did different things. And I just got really inspired by that, and I and I felt like it was a really cool thing, and it's got to be like the next the next wave of uh, of um, you know, things content management systems should really be optimized for, but the workflow he had just sucked. And uh, and light bulb went on, and I had this had this vision for for what ended up uh, we ended up just re just revealing a couple days ago with the live preview feature. Um, and that was kind of the that was kind of the moment where it was like, okay, I got to do this. This is this is too cool. This is going to be a big deal. I got I got to just do it. And you know, it took um, it took probably a year to. Uh, well, I don't remember exactly the timeline, but I want to say it, was, it took maybe half a year to uh, to convince Brad to go to go with me on it. And uh, January of uh, 2011, we decided to go ahead and, and go for it. And so we've been working on it ever since. And and you know, as as you saw a couple of days ago, we finally got to reveal this big thing. And yeah, it's just you know, it's been a lot of fun. It's been a really big technical challenge. And and again, it's it's kind of like a giant. A giant playground for me. We get to just do whatever we want here, and and you know build build the perfect system in our minds. So we love it. Well, you, you're making me nervous. I don't want uh, I don't want to put a bunch of my clients on your freaking playground. I mean, how is <laughs> how is what you're building going to serve me? Uh, I mean, are you going to talk about that at peers? Are you going to tell people how 
Um, you know, one of the things I'm so critical about is um, the, the marketing and management decisions that take place over at Ellis Lab. Um, you know, something's working because the product is still useful to me and a lot of other people, but where are you going to take craft and how can I trust you over the course of a decade? Well, um, so, you know, uh, you we've kind of established a reputation. Um, yeah, that's true. We've, uh, we've shown that we're able to, to manage just a small number of products and be extremely focused on their feature set. And, you know, I can't tell you how many um, things we've said no to and, and uh, you know, directions we've, we've been tempted but, but ultimately decided decided you know it's time to show a little restraint on with uh with the big with you know play and matrix and stuff uh and we're gonna and we're gonna take that same sense of responsibility to craft um i'm using the word playground a little loosely we're not gonna go nuts on it um, <laughs> but you know it's it, to me it's to me it's it just feels that way because it's 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 um i don't have to i don't have to answer to someone else i don't have to um you know if i want to if i want to if i have this you know, uh, really um, uh, big vision for something. I don't have to write, you know, a two thousand word blog post trying to convince someone else to do it. I can just go in and do it. And uh, you know, that's what we're you know trying to do right now with um, with element types, which is basically uh, we're we're trying to we're trying to do for types of content what uh, what field types what field frame did for field types back in Expression Engine one. Uh, which is basically to abstract a lot of stuff and um, and make it so that it's you know relatively easy to create entire new types of content in the system uh, that get all the same kind of features like versioning and and custom fields and uh, you know and all that kind of stuff um, and we feel like that's going to be you know we're, we feel like that's going to kind of do for um, for content what what field frame kind of take the whole field frame concept to the next level mm-hmm. uh, once we've once we've managed to kind of finish that up and 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 get plugins on board with that, um, we think it's going to be a really big deal. And that's you know it's just an example. That's the kind of thing that you know I I love being able to do that and uh, and not having to to wait around for someone else to possibly see the you know um, see the see the light. So, from a business point of view, what are your aspirations for for craft? Uh, where where is it going to go? I mean, you're describing to me that you would like to be in a position to build a thing into it whenever you want to, whenever it feels right and you can make a business case for it and you don't want to go through a bunch of process to, to get there. In other words, right. it's it's small. It sounds like a small company running a, a niche product. Is that something you want or do you want it to be bigger? Oh, we want it to be big, for sure. Uh, and... Uh, and uh, you know, as big as as big as it can be within uh, within the target market, which um, you know is is pretty similar to uh, to our current customer base with Pixel and Tonic. Um, it's uh, you know people that people that take take uh, take web standards seriously, and you know people who who are like us who like to go and like to like to get their hands dirty with the HTML and the CSS and all that kind of stuff. And so I realized that that. That in itself is a niche market compared to the broader uh, market of people that like to publish stuff on the web. So I don't expect we're ever going to be as big as someone like WordPress, um, simply because I think a lot of WordPress users really, you know, um, just want a blog and they don't really care about, you know, writing the HTML. Uh, so they're just they they're attracted to the fact that WordPress has this gigantic library of themes that they can just pick and choose from. Um, you know, and Tumblr and, and uh, Squarespace are kind of kind of falling in that same boat. So we don't so we don't want to go after that that big of a market. Uh, we want to we want to keep it contained within people that we feel are kind of like us. Um, you know, because again, that we're we're ultimately building this for ourselves just as much as just as much as our customers. Um, and we don't want to build something that we don't want to use. Um, but but within that realm, we we think it could be very big. We think it's. Uh, we think it's got the potential to be um, a really big thing, and and hopefully uh, pull at least some of that WordPress user base out, um, kind of show show them some features that are that are cool enough to get them to consider moving away from what they already know um, just because they already know it, which which has got to be some some significant percentage of them. Well, it's easy to use, um, and most of your well, all of your software uh, meets that 
that description, that criteria. It's it's easy to use. I remember that we were in a conference a few years ago, and one thing you said that um, is something I carried away with me and tried to implement in my own company is that you tried to um, you were, at the time you tried to build add-ons that were always going to be in front of the end client, the end user, the the person maintaining a site for an organization. And you thought if you executed a really excellent UI for that person, that your products by word of mouth would continue to sell because people would, the, the developers who deployed that stuff for their client would continue to want to achieve that positive effect on other sites they did for other clients. Absolutely. Um, so I, I feel when I go into craft, I feel like you've carried that same ethos and um, the simplicity and ease is there. Um, it's some of the best parts of it are available for free when are you going to pay the bills like what's what's the business model in craft for you to recoup some of your cost and keep the thing going over time if so much of it is available for free well the, the, basically what we did was we tailored the the free feature set for um, for a personal blog or a personal portfolio kind of site um, so uh, you know, we basically wanted um, we basically wanted web developers who were interested in it um, to be able to download it. And we figure, you know, most of the time when you're learning something new, you want to you want to first play around with it for yourself. So we we imagine that a common use case is going to be people download it and they think, oh, you know, I could build a personal blog with this or a personal I could build my new portfolio site with this, whatever. Uh, and they could do that without paying us a cent. So they feel a little more comfortable, you know, taking that step. Because uh, no money's on the blind yet. Yeah. Um, so that's really where we tailor our our uh, our core feature set, our free feature set. Um, but anything beyond that, you do need to pay us money. Uh, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to do anything bigger. Uh, if you need multiple sections, if you need multiple users, if you need uh, you know something big like like uh, multiple language support, stuff like that. Anything anything kind of beyond the scope of a personal site, you're going to end up paying us some money. And uh, and so that's that's basically the business model right there is uh, is for the for the sites that we feel um, ought to be paying. Well, it just so happens that they're going to generally require the features that we're charging for. So that's that's basically our line of thought right okay. there. Um, and and you know, it's uh, the pricing is um, we're we're taking a stab at it, and and this is our first you know this is our first. Uh, uh, experience trying this, so so we're not sure if it's going to work or not, but we're hopeful that it will, and we've gotten a lot of feedback, and people really seem to, to agree that this is the right way to go. Uh, you know, people generally don't like to, I think, pay more money just just based on use case, like if it's a commercial site or if it's not. Yeah. Um, you know, because the the nature of the site might change over time. You might start off with a personal blog and end up with. Uh, with an e-commerce site, that's my my, my own experience with uh, my old brand dash Kelly dot com, and uh, you know I I don't I don't think that you should expect people at that point when they change their minds to come back and say hey I got to pay you for this now because I'm now charging money for for stuff on my site. Um, so you know we've we've put a lot of thought into it. We've and we've got our best guess as to what is going to be fair to the people that are using it and is going to be financially. Uh, viable for us to uh, to be able to maintain and support for the foreseeable future, um, but time will tell whether whether we got it right or not. And we so, can iterate. So when we all show up at Piers in a in a few weeks in Chicago, um, there'll be a number of web developers, uh, like software type developers, who show up there, and they might be interested in developing plugins for Craft. What's the story there? Like, um, I, I know that you. If I develop a plugin for Craft, it's going to be sold inside the control panel. I mean, that's the store, right? Yes, yeah, so that's going to be the primary place where people purchase stuff. Can yeah. I write a plugin that is not sold in the store that I can plug into my client site? You absolutely can do that. Um, you just, uh, you know, you probably, if you're going to distribute it, you probably want to sell it in our store when we have that available. And uh, the reason for that is. Um, as far as as far as we can tell, <clears throat> we want to we want to apply the same um, domain slash site slash license validation stuff that we've got built into the craft uh, application. We want to apply that stuff to the plugins as well. And as far as we can tell, the only way we're going to be able to reliably do that is if we know that for a given plugin, um, our store is the only place that it's sold. Um, 
if we don't know that the, the plugin is sold exclusively through us, um, then we have no way of, of enforcing, you know, uh, of, of displaying an error saying, hey, you don't own this license, the license to this plugin, uh, when it's hypothetically possible they bought it somewhere else. So, you know, that, we still have some details to nail out there, but if you're going to, crap, crap definitely will, will run plugins wherever it came from. Um, but from the developer's point of view, you're definitely going to be best off if you stick with selling it through us. What, what happens if inside my craft install for a given client, it's as crowded as devotee is? Um, have you thought about that UI problem? Is there, you know, is there like a... Are you referring to uh, the number of plugins that are going to be installed at one time? Or no, just the number available of plugins that are available to purchase? Available to purchase. Uh... Would you would you really consider WD to be that crowded? I mean, I know they've got a lot of stuff, but um, but I think they've actually done a pretty good job of uh, prioritizing and showing the most popular stuff at the top of the list. And you know, uh, well, let's put it this way: if you took everything in Devotee and put it inside a Craft CP, that seems like a lot. Um, how is well, that going to sure. be sliced and diced? Sure. Well, you know, we're gonna we're not going to copy WD's UI pixel for pixel. Uh, you know, we'll have to we'll have to tailor it for, for the to fit in with the rest of the craft kind of look. It's not going to look like the packages screen. It's going to definitely be a little more involved than that. Um, but, but I mean, you know, it's it's a content management system. We've been able to, you know, present uh, a friendly way of accessing, you know, however many hundreds of thousands of entries you've got stored in that system. So yeah. I don't see why we couldn't do the same for plugins. All right. Um. When we show up at this conference, you're going to give a presentation. You're going to show us how to build a simple site on Craft. Is that right? I'm going to be doing a three-hour workshop. Three-hour yes. workshop. All right, that's different. Yeah. Um, so, what's what am I going to get out of that? What's what kind of site will I have at the end of that? We're actually probably going to just take you through the development process for our uh, our demo site uh, oh, yeah. on the Rocks Dev. I don't know if you've seen that, but we've actually got an entire Craft functional website hosted on GitHub that you can just download the code for. Uh, and you can get it up and running locally, and and kind of dive in and see and see how uh, how we feel that a website could be structured with craft. Um, and uh, and so we're kind of going to just take that and, and start from start from basically uh, you know flat HTML uh, HTML comp and uh, and learn how to make it dynamic and go through one feature at a time, bringing you through um, you know the basic. You know, setting up your sections, kind of stuff in the CP to uh, to getting it on the page to uh, to integrating, you know, different different more advanced features like uh, like search and uh, and uh, front end user registration and logging in and stuff like that. Is there so it'll, is there search already native to the to the tool? Yes. Well, I don't know if we have gotten around to adding search to the actual on the rocks .dev front end yet. Uh, but Craft 1.0 did add search, so it's uh, and it's and it's a pretty advanced implementation. We actually got got Low to help us out with uh, with some of the more advanced SQL stuff. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know it's got the syntax similar to uh, Gmail and Twitter and all that kind of stuff, and um, it's pretty powerful. Jess, is Low going to Pierce? Low is going to Pierce. He's giving a really great, interesting business talk. What's he going to talk about? He's going to talk about something that's a little different for Lowe. Um, we know that he frequently appears at conferences and he does workshops and other things. So we sort of threw it at him about what he would be interested in talking about. And he came back to us with more of a thinking man's business work presentation. And that's the talk that he'll be giving at the end of the conference. Um, I'm really excited about it, primarily because Lowe is really excited about it. And when he pitched it to me, he said, what if I do this? And I think it sounds, you know, it would be it would be fun and interesting to do something different. And I think that that's great. Lowe is extremely bright, as everyone knows. And um, it's, it's interesting to have people sometimes step out of the things that they always do and, and take on a different topic. So this is the Dow of Lowe, is that the talk? kind of the Dow of Lowe. It's more about sort of an approach to work and how we think and how we work. And um, Lowe is also going to sit in on the the fun should you grow or not grow panel. Yeah. And I think that 
our conversation about him. Lowe makes the case in the panel about to grow your business as not to grow. And you could say that that's sort of part of Lowe's nature, or you could say it's, it's maybe a little bit more European in thinking, but his whole context for sitting in on that panel is that he's very happy as a developer and he, he would rather not take on more than he can handle and not have the stress of growing a large business. And here he makes the case for not growing. And I think in some ways that got him started on the thinking about motivation and methodology in terms of how we work and how we apply ourselves to projects and the ways that we do so. And so I think his talk is going to be pretty great. What's, um, that's a weird talk to have at a, at a tech sort of a conference. Um, how many of the other talks are like that? Well, I don't know if that's a weird talk to have. Um, I don't know how much tech everyone can handle <laughs> all day, all the time. Um, I think we've got a nice balance between a very advanced, very, very interesting dev track and also a personality-driven slash business-driven business track. So if you find yourself more aligned with being a business owner and wanting to network and wanting to find out that kind of stuff, then then you may be more on the business track side of things. And if you are a dev who's hungry and wants to learn more and really talk about high-end topics, then I think we've provided you with something that, that gets you going. Anna, this sounds familiar to conversations you and I've had about grow or not grow. Um, you've thought about that, haven't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm with low. Why? <laughs> no, no grow. Why? <laughs> well, I've already tried it. Um, I, I had two contractors at, at one time working with me, and we were busy, busy, and um, I, I didn't. I, I guess I just didn't. I didn't like the pressure. I didn't like the stress. Um, I never. Uh, just with three of us here, I didn't feel like I could um, manage the quality of the work going out the door. Uh, I was always having to make sure new work was coming in, and um, uh, so I, I just I didn't like that. I I don't necessarily have control issues, but I do have um, a reputation to maintain. So I toned, I scaled down um, the projects I accepted, and just started accepting projects I really wanted to take on, and and I liked that. A little better. Uh, I think the only negative is that I, I am a very extroverted person working solo in an office and so um, that is one aspect of my job that I do not like. Uh, so I, I wouldn't mind working with other people for that one reason but you know being the boss and managing it I'm not too interested in that anymore. Uh, Brandon when you were building craft the, the one thing that struck me as we talked about it over the course of time that you were doing it um, you, you talked to me about it pretty early on. I, I was surprised that you didn't bring on any more developers than you did to help you get over the finish line. Was there a reason for that, or was that a choice that you made, or what? Well, we did bring on Andres, um, although he was um, the decision to, to hire him was uh, was partly just because we needed someone to help us uh, help us maintain the expression engine add-ons and let us let Brad and I focus a little more on actually developing the new CMS um, but but he uh, he helped me he helped us get assets to out the door and then ever since then he's actually mostly been working on craft um, oh, okay and, uh, and he's doing a great job um, you know I, I, I don't know I, I actually kind of like the idea of growing um, and I'd like to see Pixel and Tonic certainly grow beyond uh, beyond three or four person company uh, at some point. But um, right now, it's it's not really uh, financially feasible for us. And you know, we uh, we definitely kind of subscribe to the thirty seven signals philosophy that you should never hire another person until you absolutely need it, until it's just you know everyone's stretched to the brim and you can't possibly continue doing the work. Uh, Without an additional person, um, because you know, as we found out with with, uh, with hiring people, is is um, it does it does take some time to get everyone on uh, on board and yeah. up to speed and all that kind of stuff, and that that's its own you know that's its own little distraction right there, and, and uh, you know it it also takes finding a certain kind of person, at least for me, like Andres. Thankfully, is 
is very capable of managing himself, and and that's perfect because I do not like to micromanage. Uh, if I give someone a job, I just want them to do it, and I don't want to have to you know keep up with them. And and he's just really great, you know, at uh, at just getting things done. So you know, I th- I think that's actually the critical part of taking a sort of a one-person shop to a, a different level. If the, if those initial hires aren't people who can take the work and run with it, then then you will fail or you will struggle with the, the pressure of that. And in my office, my first hire was not the right person. And I think if maybe I had made a different choice there, um, my decision to, to go back to a solo office would maybe have been different. Yeah. Jess, uh, you, why aren't you big? Or have you chosen little on purpose? Have you you build websites. Is this a choice for you too? I'm at the point again after after having a child and sort of right now I'm choosing it or trying to decide what choice. Um, I'm at the point about trying to you know trying to decide whether or not to grow in a, in a position of amping up my business again. So um, I'm torn. I'm torn about exactly what direction I went in, and part of conference throwing is is part of that, I think, as well. It's sort of expanding my network and, and looking at what else is out there. Conference is a lot of logistics, so it's a lot of emails and some phone calls, and it's not necessarily a ton of people. Uh, part of it is is having a good speaker set. And part of it is working your contacts and the network that you have in business. So you did, you did Laracon, and, and now you're doing peers. Are you going to be doing some more conferences, or um, are they going to be larger? They, do you like the size that you've got peers set up to be? I think it depends. Uh, my initial goals with peers were definitely that it would be a bigger conference than I think it'll turn out to be. Uh, so a lot of that is sort of where you start and where you end up in terms of the response to the conference. It's uh, highly possible that there will be another Laracon and that it will be a, a bigger conference. Um, part of it is just gauging interest and, and seeing what happens. We set out for Laracon to throw a small conference and we were 100 people with 50 people on the waiting list. So our, our interest exceeded, I think, our, our expectations for that. Um, I think for peers, people are sort of also waiting to see what's happening with it and I'm really excited about about the fact that we've launched something completely new that's kind of a hybrid event. Yeah. So I can learn about uh, Laravel, I can learn about Craft, I can learn about uh, Satanic. Um, what else can I do? <laughs> Statamic. Satanic? Okay, I got it. Statamic? I think it's actually Statamic and I should know, know that. No, I, I got it. I heard you. Um, it's Satanic. I got it. I got it. Moving on. <laughs> what else can you learn about yeah well um you can learn about really upping your your e-game at the same time we've got trevor davis talking about great stuff with git deployment and capistrano uh we've got rob sanchez doing a really good sort of high-end front-end dev ruby tools type talk um there's there's just good stuff happening um brandon what as far as features and and that sort of thing for craft where is it headed? Like, where is there room for someone like me to build plugins for it, and where are you going to do things first party? Well, we're um, we're extremely focused on things that we consider to be related to managing content. So, pretty much everything that we consider, we we run it through the rule of thumb: is this part of managing content? Is this in that realm? Uh, if it's not, then we're not going to put a whole lot of time into it, if any at all. And we're going to feel like this is an area where we really should just let a plug-in fill in the gap. Um, another rule of thumb we have is uh, we, we're generally going to try and shy away from third-party services. Now, I know that um, it's a little hypocritical considering we have this cloud package that connects Craft to, uh, to Amazon S3 and uh, Google Cloud Storage and Rackspace Cloud Files. Um, but that's kind of the one exception, and uh, and we felt like, you know, uh, getting, we feel like asset management is, is a very big part of, big sub part of content management and uh, and it's really hard to take asset management seriously if you're not going to connect to some of these services. Um, 
but beyond that, you know, if it's if it's if it's related to some kind of third party service, we're probably not going to touch it. Um, and if if it doesn't obviously fit within the realm of content management, then we're probably not going to touch it. Um, that's those are the two big rule of thumbs we have right now. Um, and I think I think they're pretty important because uh, the last thing I want is for crap to become um, kind of bloated and and you know full of stuff that that just doesn't really make sense for for most websites. Um, so that's that, that that's the most I can tell you. Uh, we're not gonna we're not going to um, if we feel really strongly that something should be in craft. I I gotta tell you that you know we're. We're probably not going to um, be uh, be satisfied by a plugin doing that job for us. Um, you know, we'll, we're friendly and we'll let you know if, if we feel like you're kind of going in a direction that we might be planning on going. Um, and uh, if you've already got it out there and, and, you know, kind of blindsided us, then, you know, we'll do our best to, to be friendly about it and kind of figure out a you know, settle settle it in a way that uh, that doesn't you know make you pissed off at the platform and looking for something else, or, or making you think maybe you'll, maybe you'll build your own CMS. Um, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if something if something needs to be in the core, we're going to be the ones we're going to eventually have to add it uh, if, if there's a, if there's a consensus there. Um, you know, plugins are plugins are great, but it's it's not a whole it's not a very great experience to have to install this thing and then immediately go to the plugin store and add these 10 other things before you've got a system that you feel is uh, is adequate for, for every single site you ever build. I think a lot of developers want to know, um, you know what they what they did on Expression Engine, what could they bring over to Craft. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that sort of takes shape and how quickly that happens. Um, I, I mean, I hope, there's, uh, I hope there's a big audience for it, for sure. Um, you know, we pretty much covered the material I wanted to talk about, um, and we can keep this one pretty brief, too. Um, so I just wanted to thank the three of you for talking to me quickly today and um, taking an opportunity to promote some some stuff that was just launched and some stuff coming up. Any last thoughts? Well, I'd like to interject with some um, updates on the Stack Exchange beta. Oh, that's right, Stack Exchange. Can we talk about that for this, a minute? Th this came up. The reason why I put the three of us together was because uh, when Brandon and I talked at lunch yesterday, he told me a story about um, how the, the effect that Stack Exchange um, has had uh, on his um, Expression Engine add-on uh, sales. So I thought that would be a good thing to talk about. Thanks for bringing that back up. Sure. Well, um, well you know, we're 203 days into our public beta, which is awesome. Um, uh, the stats, if you go to the Area uh, Area 51 page, I posted that on Twitter today, so if the link's there if you need it. Um, you know, we're sort of doing okay. We're doing excellent on the user side, okay on everything else. We could, uh, I, I would say we need to do a little more work on the answer ratio. We're at 1.8 and we really need to be at about two and a half answers per question. Um, questions per day is growing so we'll be there soon we need to get to about 15 per day so we'll get there and um, present uh, percentage of questions answered has definitely been go I mean not going down but it's sort of found its place under the 90 percent um, percentile so I think we need to do a little work on that as well but um, overall I think I'm pretty proud of us and 200 days we've done something pretty amazing as a group well I made a joke that uh, Brandon owes you some money because he was telling me yesterday that um, the, the emergence of stack exchange for uh, people asking questions about his add-ons have really made a change in uh, his own support burden um, yeah. Brandon could you speak about that that was I thought that was really interesting yesterday can yeah, I just say can I just say something quick Patrick deserves the money <laughs> so, <laughs> he's the one who proposed this whole site and finally got you know got us I don't know why we all rallied but this time we did and yeah. so all, all credit think, really goes to Patrick I think that people rallied because of you Anna because of oh. your continued support of this online and on Twitter repeatedly urging uh, people to remember that there were unanswered questions or that they should visit the site. So I, I, I really think that, that uh, this this is this is pretty much your thing. 
And I'm sure that Brandon and, and, and Mitchell would agree with me. I would. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, appreciate that. I'm not sure I can take that credit, but I have advocated for this site primarily because I want this kind of uh, site. I've wanted it for years, and so, you know, I don't need support as a developer very often, but when I do, this is what I need, and um, I'm very proud of what we've been able to accomplish. So, Brandon can tell us about the money he owes Patrick, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I was just talking to Mitchell, um, you know, when, when the uh, Stack Exchange um, Expression Engine site was first proposed, that was that was around EECI of uh, last year in uh, October, I want to say. And, yeah. um, you know, at that time, I, Mitchell and I and, uh, and a couple other add-on devs got up on the stage and we were doing this little panel and, and one of the big topics that came up was, was the support burden. And, uh, and Mitchell and I both had pretty much the same thing to say about it, which is, you know, support sucks and, and uh, it's, it can be very overwhelming at times. You know, back then, uh, when we were in the thick of it, there were, there were entire weeks where I didn't get an hour worth of work in. Um, you know, because I was just I was uh, answering questions all all day long, and and uh, and uh, you know that often that you know especially with our add-ons, they can be very technical in nature. They can be very specific to uh, something pretty complicated, and um, and it's just you know it, it can be uh, it can be kind of discouraging if you're if you're trying to you know if you're just trying to get some functionality out there, but you know, you don't want it to define your life. Uh, you don't want to become, you know, um, just a support guy. And, you know, I kind of started to feel like I was just a really overpaid, overqualified support guy at that point, And it was kind of getting annoying. Um, not that, not that I hate support, uh, just to be clear. I mean, I, you know, uh, some level of it is actually quite fun. It's, it's fun to work with people and, and help them accomplish something very cool with your product. Uh, and, and you really get that firsthand experience of seeing what, what people can do with it. Uh, and a lot of the people that come across are very bright and very, very enjoyable to work with, but it's just not always the case. And when, and when an entire week goes by and all you've done is answer support questions all week, um, you know, it's just very discouraging. So, Anyways, that was that was uh, kind of my story back in back in October, and I want to say that it, you know Mitchell Mitchell had a similar experience. It's just you know could be very burdensome for uh, for Soul Space add-ons too. I don't yeah, want to put words in your mouth, but that's that's pretty much what I remember. No, it's absolutely uh, it was, true. That was kind of the consensus, um, and then you know uh, there was there was some session there where where someone mentioned this Stack Exchange um, proposal and. That was the first I had heard of it, uh, and then I get home, and all of a sudden, you know, Anna's tweeting about it three times a day, and uh, people are starting to go there, and and uh, and you know, maybe a week after ECI, I had a chance to log in and take a look, and and sure enough, there were already some questions that were tagged with our products that that already had answers that I didn't have to have answered, and uh, and I was just thinking, oh, that's pretty cool. That's nice of these guys. Um, but as time went on, more and more people got on there, and and more and more, uh, you know, questions that revolved around our products were being asked and answered there, and uh, and eventually I, you know, um, I want to say in December um, or maybe January, uh, I went out to lunch with with Adrian McNeil of uh, of Expresso, and. Uh, and he spent like two hours just, con you know, trying to convince me that we really need to get behind this stack exchange thing. And, uh, you know, at that point, we had answered a couple questions here and there, but we hadn't actually, you know, taken that step of subscribing to anything or, or advertising the site ourselves. Um, but after but after this lunch with Adrian, I, you know, he really convinced me that, that it's a good thing and we need to get behind it. And... Uh, and in hindsight, it's just it's just so obvious that this is the way that things ought to be, where you know you've got you've got one central site where people can ask questions that you know, they, and and they no longer you know it's no longer your responsibility to to worry about whether it was uh, you know if there's a conflict between two add-ons, you don't have to worry about which add-on is at fault and, and make sure you're reporting to the right place. You, know, you can just kind of post and and things kind of sort themselves out from there. Um, and uh, you know, just having a central place uh, where you can post all your expression-related questions, um, and a place that kind of encourages people to really think through their questions, which which probably cuts down on the volume of questions to begin with. 
uh, it's just a really great site, and and really, uh, it, it's it's dramatically helped uh, our support burden. I mean, I, you know, we're still we still get quite a bit of support volume, but it's it's nowhere near the level where you know an entire week goes by and nothing gets done because of support. It's nowhere yeah. near that anymore because people are people are picking up, you know, where when we can't when we're not around and and uh, and everyone's kind of helping each other out and it's just really awesome. We really love it. It's a great That's site. That's amazing. I'm re- I'm really impressed to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, I was too. Well, the numbers are great. I mean, there's we're almost at three hundred. Uh, sorry, three thousand questions, forty six hundred answers, um, almost at at sixteen hundred users. So. Uh, it's actually, it's actually, you know, it's, they, they like to, one of the things I was talking to Mitchell about the other day is, um, is, is, you know, these, these guys, these, these stack exchange guys, they, they just love the gamification, you know, I mean, that yeah. site, that's, that's what makes the site so fun to use. It's what, it's what provides the incentive for, for people to answer questions in the first place. But they've taken it even to the to the level of these of these you know entire Stack Exchange beta you know network beta sites where you know I mean the, all of those OKs that you're seeing you know I mean that's that's all just part of this gamification thing and it's you know it's all around getting inspiring you to tweet to get people on there to to achieve this critical level of volume that makes the site useful to begin with and it's all just you know I, I don't know I'm just in I'm just in awe of the, of the you know genius behind behind planning this whole thing out it's a it's a really smart it's a really smart site it does and it works great and it's well executed i think absolutely yeah and and you know it's i i could see you know you look at this site and you've got like one one thing that says great and a bunch of okays you know the the reality is if you take a look at some of these other betas the expression engine beta is is doing great yeah. you know it's it's very impressive numbers there so uh, I, I can't imagine that it's going to be in beta for that much longer. Uh, I agree. It's, it's just really great. I agree. And I would just, um, I would say to the community, it's up to us to make sure it gets out of beta. So no, yeah. nobody else is going to do it. Um, I've been slacking on my job a little bit, so I'm going to get back out there. <laughs> I, I, hey, my, my rep is still really high, though, so I did the work in the beginning. I was, yeah. I took a break so everybody else could catch up. <laughs> So, so um, if I'm a developer, how do I do what Brandon did? How do I get my support burden to go over there? You gotta, you gotta advertise. You gotta get your, you gotta point your customers there when they, you know, for for us it was, um, it was pretty much, hey, okay, if you, you know, I mean, if, if you find a bug, our our support site still says you should you should contact us directly if you found a bug, but uh, anything else that's kind of a, you know an answerable question as far as there's their guidelines are concerned uh we're definitely we're definitely pointing people straight to stack exchange we're we're just saying look this is this is where we're doing support uh and and when we're asleep there's going to be people there that are still going to be awake and going to be ready to help you um you know it's at this point it's been it's been probably six months if or at least close to that maybe 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 five months since uh since we made the switch and it's been very successful for us, and we're we're really enjoying being, uh, you know, being on that site. You know what, Brandon? I thought I think what you did that really was extremely helpful for us too as developers was that you left the old con- uh, support content up at 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 the old site where you were managing your support. So ha- having those old answers is invaluable for me um, when it, when I run into a problem. So I still go back there. Yeah. Except now, when if you go there, it'll just oh. give you a big warning sign saying hey you can yeah. you can view the archived content but don't expect anyone to help you here yeah and Mitchell I would say if you ended up making the choice to move then your forum just goes into lockdown and becomes an archive with a very clear message that supports moved I think that users need a quick education about tagging and making sure that you know that, that they do provide enough information so whatever page you end up creating that pushes people to the beta site or to the stack exchange site they just need a quick education on how best to present their questions and how to tag them to make sure you guys get them well, after hearing this story i think we're going to get to work on it um yeah i i use it pretty frequently and i you know i put most of my questions up in google and they're all different types of questions i mean i'm doing javascript stuff i'm doing laravel stuff yeah. i'm doing all kinds and 
And I know, I've gotten to where I know if, uh, if a stack exchange result is in a Google result, I click that one, no matter where it is on the page. Yep, me too, actually. And that's why I was an advocate of this site. Um, you know, as a developer, I do the same thing. I Google everything. It's the first thing I do. I run into a problem, I Google it. And the main stack exchange site was inevitably where I ended up. Yeah. Just period. And yeah, me too. I, I rarely posted questions there, but I was uh, I was constantly consuming the answers there. And I, I always would mark up what worked for me. And um, so uh, it, it's just, I always found myself there. And so to, to have that focused content and questions for Expression Engine just seemed like a no-brainer. Um, it's an amazing archive, uh, and it's actually a very useful archive because that that quote unquote correct answer uh, based on the person asking the questions interpretation of correct is is really clearly marked. And um, so somebody gets to that question, they quickly can find the answer, and um, I, I really think that's the the best part of it. Yeah. I, I like the policing too, actually. Um, so as moderators, you know, as users, everybody can tag things. So you can tag answers as inappropriate or questions as inappropriate. You can vote down questions if you think that they're just weak. You can um, you can flag uh, flag something so the moder to get the moderator's attention. And so there's just a lot of interaction. And really, it's the community dictating what 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 is important, what what isn't good enough, what's you know what's great and so we um, as a community are managing the site it's not the three uh, moderators that are on the site we, we just sort of deal with the flags well I'm glad we talked about it uh, we had planned to and then I spaced out so thanks for bringing it back up I think it's a really important topic right now um, I agree and, well, and yep. I encourage everybody get out get up on the site I'm gonna be uh, putting uh, notices on Twitter every day <laughs> Expressionengine.stackexchange.com. Right. right. And with that plug and the plug for peers and the plug for craft, uh, that's it. Thanks for making time for this conversation today, and um, see you guys in Chicago. All right. Thank you, Mitchell. All right. Thank Good you, Mitchell. You guys. Thank you, Brandon, Jessica. See you all soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye, guys. Bye.